The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome back. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us again today as we look into God's Word. Just a quick reminder, tonight they're finishing up our Mega Sports Camp Vacation Bible School here at Grace, and so continue to be in prayer. Uh, more beyond than just it running well, we really do appreciate all those engaged in it. Uh, we hope that there'd be some great fruit from it, that families would be encouraged, that families would be brought into the kingdom. We've got some that have come that don't have a church background or affiliation, and Lord willing, we can help introduce them to Jesus, and that's really ultimately the goal, is to encourage families, to strengthen families, uh, to help people find the truth in Jesus. So be in prayer as we move forward and try to connect and be an encouragement to others and hopefully uh, continue to spread the gospel. But continue to be in prayer for tonight as they finalize for all the staff that have been and volunteers have been working very hard and I'm sure tirelessly as it has been a, a long week, uh, but well worth it. As we continue in the Word of God, we're in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we're going to jump on to uh, a very it's a bit confrontational section of scripture. I guess it's only confrontational if you don't agree with it. For in this passage we're going to look at, it really is kind of two points of view. Some people say this is, I'm not a big fan of this philosophy. Some would say this is all what the church is about. And it really comes down to our approach on reaching out reaching out to the world. Uh, what is church about? Is church just about church people? Uh, when someone comes to church, is the assembly, is the structure of the local church only for people who have been saved and baptized and discipled? And so therefore you disciple them and then bring them to church once they adapt and they know what's going on. Everybody needs to fit that culture. Or is the church a place where the unsaved can comfortably come and learn about Jesus. And, and they really are, believe it or not, there's two different distinctions. Some would say, not until they're ready. Some would say, and invite the world in. Some would even say, but you invite the world in, you're gonna influence the families in it. And I'm not, I have a very strong opinion, I think, following this, that the church is supposed to be a hospital for lost people, a hospital for hurting people. That means us as Christians who've been saved for a while need help because we're lost and, lost and hurting in life sometimes. To the lost of Jesus Christ, they need a place, a refuge to come and find Jesus. Let's see what the Bible says about that thought. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus passed on from there. As he passed on, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. So this is the calling of one of Jesus' disciples, later we call apostles. Let me see why we clarify that. The word disciple is just a follower of Jesus. All of us who have been saved and are following Jesus, and there's a distinction. Some, they don't, you know, they, they profess Jesus, but they don't follow him. A disciple is a follower. They've given their life, and, they, and it, it impacts pretty much every part of their life. That's a disciple of Jesus. A believer in Jesus is a little different. Well, this guy's an apostle. He's one of the 12 apostles, and that's a lot different than disciples. Though in this case, they were initially known as the 12 disciples. Um, but he's called. Now, Jesus, when he called his 12 apostles, he called a unique group of people. He called, in many cases, unqualified fishermen to be preachers, right? And he calls a tax collector. Well, please understand there's uniqueness about why the Jews would not have liked him. It's not just Matthew, it's what he stood for. This is a Jewish person collecting taxes on behalf of Rome from the Jews. Now, the argument could have been had, Rome's going to take the money anyway, 
Why should I not take advantage of that? The problem was not that they were just collecting taxes for Rome. The practice Rome allowed, and they did, and the, the tax collectors would do this, was they would add their own surcharges on top of the taxes. So there was Rome's tax, and then there was these tax collectors' extra charge. And frankly, it was allowed. It was a known, it was a known practice. And so Matthew would have become would have been becoming very wealthy by simply stealing from the Jewish people for his own good. And uh, got to be in slavery, got to be under oppression of Rome, why not? Um, and so that thinking, and it's a wrong thinking, it's stealing, that thinking was okay by the culture, but the Jewish people hated it. But because they were under oppression of Rome, nothing they could do about it. So he would have been hated. He would have been seen really as the filth of the earth. So we go on. Now we, now we say he's been called. Let's look a little further in the passage in verse 10. Now what happened is Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So here comes this primary question. Matthew's called. Um, he's sitting down and Matthew's with him. He's followed. He's, he's seen something that's different than all the other religions surrounding him. And he gives up the life of a tax collector of the wealth and all of this to follow Jesus in one extreme, wealth and comfort to frankly living, living off the land and you know giving up all of that to be an apostle. And most all of them gave their life for Christ at some point in, in, the, in the future. So the bigger issue comes down is now, Obviously, you've got a tax collector, whether maybe he invited friends, whatever it is, more tax collectors sat down and they were listening to this guy. And the problem wasn't because we would sit back, most of us in church, I would agree, and I in our church, most of us would, if not all of us, and many in the local church would agree that as a preacher sitting down with those in the world who are hurting and lost, um, needing to hear answers is a great thing. But the Pharisees, the religious elite, didn't like this. The question was, why would Jesus, a supposed religious leader or teacher, sit down with the tax collectors and sinners? Their thinking was, as a religious leader, I should only spend time with religious people. And unfortunately, there is that type of thinking in some churches today. So in, in the Bible talks about in Corinthians, come out from among them and be separate says the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, I receive you. And you can't just say, well, I don't believe that. The Bible teaches separation. You've got, you, you, you can't just go to the Bible and say, well, I don't really like what that verse says, I'm going to ignore it. Because if you can just ignore that verse, then what stops you from ignoring any verse that doesn't fit your premise? And then God is no longer God, he's no longer sovereign, and the Bible is no longer the thing you follow. So we either follow scripture or we don't. The problem comes when that verse is taken out of context and applies to preferences. I, my point of view is I don't like this, and so everybody should follow my preference of that separation, and that's where the conflict comes. The simple point is this. There is a point where there's things in the world we should separate from because they go against God. It's a simple truth, and it's a fact, and we should do that. At the same case, what happens is the certain people take that so far to say we don't touch anything that has to do with the world at all. Well, while I believe there needs to be a separation, if we go too far, we grow to isolation, which means now we are no longer salt and light in the earth. Okay, if the world wants to come into here and if they're willing to adapt, we'll let them. But God tells us to go in the highways and hedges that compel them to come in. Jesus, is, Jesus God's son, sat down with these people. Now, he didn't sit down and say your lifestyle is okay, but he went to them. He was a friend, the Bible says, of publicans, of sinners. He was a friend of them. So when you look at this, 
you got to look at the example of Jesus and, and don't take a church's position and say, well, they're right and Jesus is wrong. So there is a part where we need to look at the world and say, wow, while the lifestyles don't always line up with what Jesus is following, does not mean that we shouldn't try to be an influence and a love and a compassion. He gives a reason why. All right, then he says in verse 12, this is Jesus teaching. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. So Jesus comes down and he says, what are we trying to do? If all of our life is just to minister to the other church people, and please understand, that is necessary. We as church people need training, need encouragement, need help, need strengthening. That is the point of the constant assembly talked about in Hebrews. It is necessary. But that is just one of the parts. In Acts 2, 242, and the disciples in the church continued, fellowship and breaking of bed and prayer, and, and those things. there's four different aspects it was dealing with. So that is part of it, and Scripture talks a lot about the structure of church and what's necessary. But there's a part where that church then engages in reaching to the world. He says, I didn't come. Now here's, let me, let me give you, without because I don't want to go too long into this, but let me give you kind of the way I look at this phrase. He says, he goes, I did not come to call the self-righteous those who have no need of Jesus or those who see themselves as okay because I came to call sinners to repentance. He said, when I came down here, I didn't just go sit down with the people who all agree with me because my job was to reach those who are lost and hurting. So he sat down with these sinners. He was a friend of sinners. Now, in every scenario, please remember, he sat down with them and those like Matthew who followed him gave up that life. They moved. He said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. The goal is not that we sit down and say, you know, whatever they do is no big deal. The goal is actually not even to be worried about what they do. The fact that somebody is struggling in a life of sin is just the fact that they're lost. And when I mean lost, I'm not saying they're, not, not, they're, they're worse than us. They just don't have the right answer, the right direction. And that's what God has given us from the Bible and the church and our own experience. So what he's saying is we should go out and strive to create relationships with the part of the world that is so lost and hurting that they're looking to anything for answers. Because we have the answer in Jesus. And love them back to Jesus. And help them to see that there is there is grace and mercy and love in the truth. And the Bible says truth will set you free. Most of the world is lost in the chaos because they don't have truth. And everybody tells them, this is it. Have your own truth. Follow this. They get there, and it's even more empty, which is why suicide's rising and depression and all this is rising, because they look for things and there's no, there's no true answer. The truth is in Jesus, and he says, listen, this is what we do. There's one phrase he uses. He tells the, fair, he tells the religious elite, he quotes an Old Testament passage, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus simply says we should show mercy to the world. i rather have that than religious tradition. He's talking about sacrifice, Old Testament sacrifices. Great, you're following what you're supposed to do, but are you showing mercy to those who need him? May we show a love to the world in a way that they don't understand for the purpose of bringing them to Jesus and then allowing Jesus to change them. I'm not saying acting like, okay, we're okay with everything, and I'm not saying once they get adapted, they come to me. There's that balance where we love them where they are and draw them to a compassionate, gracious Jesus and watch Jesus give them a brand new life. May that be our heart, may that be our desire, simply because that is what Jesus says is what was his heart and desire. 
Well, thanks again for joining us on this Friday, uh, giving me a chance to be part of your day. Hope you have a great day. Continue to pray as VBS finishes up tonight and look forward to how God, Lord willing, will bless uh, his, his ministry, his, Bible, his word, and his church as we strive to continue to minister to those that God has allowed to come our way. Thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again on Monday.